Well, we have nine more holes to go, so how about you two fellas follow me to the 10th tee? On to the back nine, hour number two of Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper, son of Hall of Famer Billy Casper. Two players down the middle on the 10th hole. Here's Brian and Bob. Thank you very much and welcome into this week's edition of Real Golf Radio, the back nine, hour number two. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper with you. Had a great hour number one, talked a lot of PGA merchandise show. I'll tell you why there's some things, again, not being there this week, Bob, seeing some of the stuff that came out of that made me want to be there. Mm-hmm. It actually looked like a oh, really yeah. fun show. Oh, yeah. Here's something that stood out to me. The Callaway Chrome Tour Sphere. Golf ball spear. Did you see that thing? It's like I a little. I didn't see it. Oh, you got to look at it on. It's all, I, all over I'm social gonna media. I'm going to look at it. Absolutely. It sort of is like a mini version of the Vegas Dome, you know, that they have going. So they had all this. It was impressive. Super cool. Jason That's Sobel cool. introduced me to a $450 pair of jeans. Excuse me. Yeah. He said, these are amazing. And I said, well, what's the word on them? I'm always looking for a good pair of jeans. And somebody else jumped in and said, $450 is the word. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so let me ask you this. If you buy a $450 pair of jeans, can you wear those on the golf course? Is that enough? Or is it just no denim? I don't think so. Okay. I also saw a fully customized putter kit. This is literally the putter came with a whole pack of weights wrenches you could do all kinds of different things just live i mean you do everything with it so you basically you got your putter you choose what heads you want and then you get it and you can tinker mm. if you like to tinker there was a there's a tinkering opportunity for you it's like a old tinker toy set you know back in the day you got all that you need that's that's trouble for you i don't have time for that kind of stuff i'd rather just buy a new putter uh so, <laughs> and i thought this was kind of cool super speed golf is taking on grip size and pressure analysis so yeah. we always talk about grip pressure, but I thought it was interesting. They, they were citing a golf lab study on grip pressure or grip size, I should say, that suggested that 83% of golfers are not using the optimal size grip. How about that? Yeah, and, and also in the, professional, in the professional players, they have a stronger grip than the amateur players. And even when players hook the ball, it's a stronger grip. And fading the ball or the the younger or maybe not as good of amateur players that slice the ball, their grip is really, really weak. Yeah, it's interesting. There's some correlations there. We're going to get more details yeah. on that. Tyler Standerford, who represents Super Speed Golf, he's going to join us to talk about that next week on the show. Sean Toulon with Toulon Putters is going to join us next week. So we got lots of stuff still to come uh, to talk in merchandise and equipment and technology, but uh, that's going to have to wait to next week. Coming up next, we'll continue talking more about the big stories of the week, the tour events, Nick Dunlap, and more. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Welcome back. It's Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. Good to have you alongside this segment brought to you in part by BlackDesertResort.com. By the way, if you want to find out about the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour events that are coming up, you can go to BlackDesertChampionships.com or go to BlackDesertResort.com where you can find out about the new Tom Weiskopf Championship Design Course along with real estate opportunities that are available right now. I've just been spent the week uh, down here and the construction is cruising along. The, uh, the, the units look so cool. Uh, the, the different villages, 
inside the resort center hotel. Really spectacular. I'm telling you, this is something you're going to want to be a part of. And you can do so right now. BlackDesertResort.com. Fill out your information and uh, find out how you can be a part of it. BlackDesertResort.com. Nick Dunlop, uh, the first amateur to win on the PGA Tour since Phil Mickelson back in 1991 with his win last week at the American Express Championship. Bob, you mentioned it in the first hour. He only jumped 4,061 spots to number 68 <laughs> in the world. That's the largest move in official world golf ranking history, which is pretty amazing. And he, uh, he made the decision to turn professional. Now, this kind of defeated what I wanted to debate on the show this week. I'm happy yeah. that he did it because in my estimation, it was a no brainer, but I became a little bit endeared to him in the fact that he had to take a moment to think about it. Right. And right. to right. consider his teammate, to consider his family and his coach and, and the commitments that he had made. But at the end of the day, as he called it, there's a golden ticket waiting for him. And he absolutely had to take it. Yeah, no doubt. He, he really did. Um, he gets an exemption for the remainder of this year on the PGA Tour plus two more. So that's the that's the great thing about winning early on the PGA Tour mm. in any given year. You get actually three years and not just the two years that uh, normally comes with a win um, when you uh, when you win early on the PGA Tour. But then also, you know, he gets the opportunity to play in the majors. Um, all he has to do is play decent for the next uh, a couple of, you know, signature events, and then he's going to be in the Open Championship, um, plus, you know, have a chance to get into the World Golf Championships at the end, or not World Golf Championships, but the Tour Championship at the end of the year. And it's, it's, it's just, if he went back to his team and he said, hey, guys, man, this is going to be crazy. I'll guarantee you every one of them said, go, 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 yeah, go, 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 go. This is what you want. This is what you've been working for, you know? And, uh, yeah, he did. When you've won the major leagues, what does it do you to go back to the minor leagues and prove anything? Yeah. Like, let's say yeah. he went back and he won the next college event. What, what would that even so, mean? He, yeah. Well, of course, you should win the college event. You just beat all the best players in the world on the PGA right. Tour. So, yeah, at some point in time, you got to make that jump, and he did. So there was a tweet, Doug Ferguson, who I uh, really respect. He's a longtime AP writer. He sent out a tweet, and he was talking about the PGA Tour's uh, announcement that they put out that's, that listed Dunlap as the first player since Tiger Woods to win on tour as the reigning U.S. amateur champion. And he was being kind of cheeky about it. I know, Doug, he's having some fun with this. Yeah. But he said, you know, it wasn't about that. It was about him being the first amateur since Phil to win on the PGA Tour. But there was no mention of Phil, and he was saying that was kind of petty. <laughs> okay, I, I, I get what he – he yeah. was taking the angle that the PGA Tour refused to acknowledge something that Phil had done, given the fact that he's in direct competition with the PGA Tour now over live. So I just threw out there – and I'm throwing it out to you, Bob. Mm -hmm. If you had the opportunity to align yourself with the careers of Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson, which one would you choose? Uh, it'd, it'd be Tiger Woods all the way along. It's and no I understand what Doug's saying, but it's it's more of it's an accomplishment of the best golfer that we've ever seen in our time, in our generation, and 82 wins, um, 15 major championships, all that type of thing. And uh, I would much rather be aligned with Tiger Woods. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, that's yeah. 
Yep. It's <laughs> if you could compare yourself to anybody, you want to compare yourself to the best. There's a reason that Tiger Woods compared himself to Jack Nicholas with his goals and as he went along his accomplishments on right. the PGA Tour. Nothing against Tom Watson. You know, nothing against Raymond Floyd or Johnny Miller or your dad or anything like that. No. But if yeah. you're if you're set out to and your aim is to be the best, then you compare yourself to the best. Right. And Jack was the best. And then yep. Tiger chased him. And yep. and he passed Jack in the win category. Right now he's three shy of him in the major category, right? Yeah. So yeah. Again, nothing wrong with being the first, and I'm, I, I'm not afraid to admit it. It's pretty awesome what Phil did winning a PGA Tour event as a college player, as an amateur. There's nothing, there's no shame in that, and I hopefully mm-hmm. we're starting to get past the pettiness of what happened with, with the live golf thing, and we can all come together, one love, you know, we can all have love for, for each other on the, on the two different circuits, but it is a major accomplishment to be the first since Tiger Woods to do anything, given the success Tiger had in his career. Yeah. You know, and you look at that list of players or amateurs that have won on the PGA Tour. The first one that I remember, but I know a lot of these older guys. The first one I remember was Scott for Plank, you know, in 1985. He won at that time. It was the Western Open, which is now the or was the BMW Championship. Then Phil came along in 1991 and won the Tucson uh, Northern Telecom open which is in tucson or was in tucson and then nick dunlap comes along 32 years later and wins the american express there in palm springs it's 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 amazing to see the caliber of players that are coming out also it's amazing to see that that guys that are not on the radar um prior to and and were great college golfers like Jordan Spieth and Scotty Scheffler and now Nick Dunlap. They come out and boom, they become winners, and it sets their career um, and opens up that window for them to go and go on in the on the PGA Tour and and hopefully achieve great things. Well, let me ask you this: He's is this is Nick Dunlap the most decorated amateur now to come out on the PGA Tour since Ryan Moore? Remember well, Ryan, Ryan Moore? Had, yeah, he, yeah, he, he won. He won amateur, the pub links. Western amateur, U.S. amateur, pub links, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I would think he would be the next one. And I think he but won what, the NCAA, right? Yes, he did win the NCAA. So well. he had all that same promise. Now I'm not saying. Yeah. Uh, look, Ryan Moore's career probably didn't turn out the way we thought it would at the time, and right. I'd hope that's not the case for 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 Nick. But I'm just saying, there's it. It doesn't guarantee automatic success, but it doesn't take away from what he what he did, which is amazing. No, not at all. Yeah. Hey, we got to kind of take a short break. When we come back, America's favorite caddy and friend, uh, stop by for the caddy segment next. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back. It's Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper, and it's time for America's favorite caddy. There are bag rats, <laughs> and then there are caddies. Baby. Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is, the caddy on Real Golf Radio. Oh, yeah, the caddy joins us each and every week right here on Real Golf Radio, and you just never quite know where you'll find him. Although, being the West Coast swing, it's most likely running around to one of the future tour stops coming up. Yeah. 
in the next couple of weeks. Caddy, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, I'm suffering again this week. Um, I've left San Diego. Now I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm. Mm, yeah, it's brutal here today. It's about 72 degrees, blowing about five miles an hour, maybe. Not a cloud in the sky. Yeah. Kind of very similar to It'll Palm work. Springs, it sounds like. It is. It's Palm Springs-like. Yeah. Can't complain. So, when, Caddy, when are you heading up to our favorite spot, yours and mine? Yeah, or like it's not everybody's favorite spot. Well, are, are you – well, I'm, I'm getting confused here because, I mean – Pebble. Look, the first thing that went the first, well, yeah, I know you're talking Pebble, but I'm thinking like I've already done all the work at Black Desert. What do you mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, well done, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Popped into my head right away. No, but actually, I'm not. I'm not visiting Pebble. Uh, uh, one of my one of my compatriots uh, was up there last week doing all the work mm. there. So that's all done okay. in the can, ready to go. Wow. Yeah. You know, you've been around when you send somebody else to do Pebble. And then he's also been sent to Puerto Vallada, where he is right now. now that, 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 that's a crying shame. Wait a second. Time. I have a friend here who can pronounce this. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, by the way, we have a special uh, guest unbeknownst to, uh, on the show right now. Okay. To be, uh, he's, he's volunteered to help me do my work here at TPC Scottsdale very generously. And so I'm going to buy him lunch. So, that's the deal. That's um, that's our currency with you. So I guess yeah, you're passing exactly, that along. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's Meals. How this gets, you know, I, we'll work for food. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with so, that. But just to jump right in, let me introduce the. the now, do we need? To, should we stay anonymous and confidential on the names here? Uh, what do you? Do you uh, it's uh, it's do you, up to your guest. You does does he up, have a nickname, so, Caddy? He has several nicknames like Nacho, Dorito, uh, <laughs> Deep Dish. Well, he used to manage the Pizza Hut, so Deep Dish was one of the first nicknames wow, he had. Perfect. Deep Dish. Yeah. Okay, but so his name is Deep Dish for the show. Deep Dish. We're so let's just call it like Deep Throat, right? Deep Dish. <laughs> deep Dish. So anyway, all the presidents met. So. We've got basically he's caddied on the tour for what twenty years or something, mm -hmm. and um, but he has one of my favorite all time. You know how we talk about the gallery ropes are the zone of temporary insanity, right? right. We we talk yep. about. So this is one of my favorite zone of temporary insanity caddy stories, player stories. I'll set it up real quick and then I'll let Todd take it from there. This happened at TPC River Highlands on the seventeenth hole. Now, what you need to know about the 17th hole, it sits low, kind of like it's an amphitheater. And there is the sec within just 100 yards or 200 yards of this area on the 17th fairway, there is the drivable 15th green, the 16th tee, the 15th tee behind you where you just sit your tee shot from, the, the first green, the second tee, and the 18th tee, all within about a 200, 300-yard radius. So think about that. And it sits low, so it's like being in an amphitheater. So anything you say can be heard better 
by all these areas. Think about that. That's a lot of action, right? So that's the physical situation. Now I'll let Todd take it from there. <laughs> Todd being well, deep dish, of we, course. Yeah. Deep dish, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we had been uh, in a stretch on the PGA tour where things weren't going very well. And people must realize that uh, it's not all roses and uh, honey out there all the time. There's some, lows and highs on the PGA tour. And we were in a low area for several weeks. And this was Friday. This story took place on Friday of Hartford, um, of the travelers. And we were playing in the morning round and it was clear. We were, we're going to miss the cut. We're missing the cut by miles. Things are not going well still. And he had hit his second shot on 17 and just, kind of in the middle of the green, nothing special and hands me the club and we're walking down the fairway and I'm about a pace or two behind him and he starts mumbling and moaning and he says, well, not going to be too much longer now. Not going to have to wait for this to happen much longer. And he says, he screams out as loud as you can imagine and he throws his hands up in the air and he waves them and he says, goodbye, PGA Tour, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody can hear him. I mean, I mean, he's just screaming it as loud as you can. And I'm trying to do the best I can not to laugh out loud because, you know, he doesn't want to hear his caddy laughing at him when he's in the, you know, feels like he's in the lowest pit bottom of uh, what's going on in his career right at that moment. And I'll, I'll just finish it off by saying that we ended up finishing 84th on the FedEx Cup list that year. So it was not the end for him. <laughs> and uh, it was not a goodbye to the PGA Tour for him. But in the moment, he sure felt like it. Oh, that's awesome. That's classic. That is classic. <laughs> he, that is the zone of temporary insanity. His, so his player has so many great lines like that. And they're all self-directed. They're never directed out at anybody. Never at the caddy. Never at another. Never a marshal. It's all internally self-directed talk. It's so good that there are players on the tour who will get paired with his player and come over to Deep Dish and go, "Hey, we got you this week. I can't wait. I can't wait to play. I can't wait." It's like it's like playing with Terrell Hatton in a different way, right? So. Yeah, the interesting thing is it's a lot of the players that also um, are excitable and get uh, very angry and animated on the golf course themselves. They like to see someone else kind of going through the same thing. And, uh, you know, misery loves company, I guess. Uh, yep. Tremendous. So one of yep. the most famous ones was prior to me being on the bag. It was the caddy prior to me where one day just out of, you know, a bit of misery and bad shots and whatever was going on that he wasn't happy with. He goes up to his caddy and he puts his hands out and he says, just cut off my hands so I don't have to play this game anymore. Just cut them off. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that one. Oh. <laughs> just cut them off. That one is the most famous one of oh, all the stories goodness. about this particular player. Yeah. Oh, I like the one. Correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but 
he hits his second shot on the first hole. Oh, you tell it. You tell it. Well, no, you're headed down I the mean, right path. Go ahead. Second shot, first hole of the event. Pulls it left, slams the club in the bag, and goes. Wait a minute, the cut. Shot <laughs> 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 of the tournament. Wait a minute, the cut. <laughs> didn't, did not miss the cut. Oh, wow, just tremendous. Oh, so good. Oh, my the goodness. Zone, the zone hey, of temporary insanity. It's hey, guys, I want to ask you both. You know, something big just happened this last week when uh, Dunlap, as an amateur, hadn't been done yeah. since Phil, you know, 32 years ago. But Dunlap wins last week and is presented with this decision. He's going to go back to school like Phil did or – is he going to play? And he's come out and said that he's going to play. Your thoughts about his play and uh, and his choice or what his options were in the choice that he made? Well, when you done lap the field like that, you got to turn pro and go right to that signature event to start your career. I mean, come on. This is the biggest no-brainer since buying Bitcoin when it first came out. <laughs> I mean, let's go. Uh, you you got to turn pro. You got to do it. You you got to go. He's got a three year exemption. Yeah, it's the rest crazy. of this year and two more, right? Yeah, and he's in all the signature events. I mean, he's guaranteed to make a couple hundred grand in the sigs, right? I mean, something like that, or roughly. He's gonna. Oh goodness! I can promise you that no caddies were trying to jump on that bag. <laughs> right. No. No. <laughs> yeah, it was a goal. He called it a golden ticket. It was definitely a golden ticket. It was a no brainer. We talked about this on the show, but um, he, I do like, I guess it's endearing to hear that he went back and talked to his coach and his parents and his teammates and, and, and called it the, the hardest, easiest decision he's ever had to make in his life, you know, giving that all up. I, I guess that it's endearing, but there was never a way you could not take that, right? I mean, when you're in all the majors, now he's got to qualify for the Open. But but if he keeps, all he has to do is have one good event, he'll jump from 68 where he is in the world now inside the top 50, and he's in the Open anyway. But he gets in the PGA, he's in the Masters in the U.S. Open already. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's that that that's a no-brainer. So the Masters changed their exemption rule right since he had won the u.s amateur and got him in the masters he he can turn pro and still play in the Masters. no right? so so he actually no. got a double exemption oh. so his exemption as the reigning u.s amateur champ was negated once he gave that back as soon as he turned pro right right but they handed him another one as a winner this year he, on the pga tour. yeah okay yep but but so he, he loses his U.S. Open exemption because he's turned pro. He does not. The U.S. Open is the only one that allows you, even as the oh. reigning amateur, to turn pro and still get your exemption. Yep. I got you. You said the Open Championship. I got lost there. I got yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. So he's and he gets everything in the PGA the Championship right because of his win and also his world ranking, too. Yep. Valhalla. So he basically swapped his automatic exemption from the Open to the PGA. Added the yeah, signature events, everything else that comes along with it. So here's what I was going to ask you both as caddies. This is I, I saw some uh, banter back and forth from some of our friends over at the BBC online. They were on a podcast that they did. They were talking about whether at this point in time, starting today, would you 
Would you bet on Rory's career going forward or Dunlap's career going forward? And they kind of had this interesting debate, right? And I said, well, this is an easy answer. Which bag would you take if you were going to caddy right now? Whose bag would you pick up, Rory's or Dunlap's? So I'll ask you guys, if you had your choice right now, either one, they're yours. You taking Rory or you taking Dunlap right now? I'm taking Rory because he's proven that he can do it. I mean, Dunlap won, yes, but he's still got a long road in, in front of him to to prove himself and get all that experience under his belt that Rory already has. Yeah, 100%. Caddy, Caddy. what do you think? Uh, I'm going with Rory McElroy. Yeah. Mm, okay. Give me that you bag, the, Harry. You know, the the interesting thing about that is – the last person to win the junior and the U.S. amateur, Tiger Woods. And here you got, he comes off a U.S. junior and a U.S. amateur. Now he wins an event like Phil Mickelson. I mean, the sky's the limit for him if he continues to work hard and learn. And Yes, and yet, Bob, you just heard yeah. the stories yes. of Deep Dish's player, Hitting, <laughs> calling it a miscut on the second shot. So, so much can happen, right? The windows, we always Absolutely. talk about windows. And I think you're 100%. If you're going to decide between a proven guy and Rory McIlroy or the promise of a young player, which, I again, I'm not. this is not to take anything away from Nick Dunlap. I mean, the guy's, what he did was phenomenal, and his future looks bright. But if I'm in either of their caddy's shoes, and just like they said, pick up Rory's bag and go. Let's go. If I'm offered either one of those bags, I'm taking either one of those bags. I will tell you that. Well, okay, that's my point. You'll take either one. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. Nick Nick Dunlap seems to have the right head on his shoulders from the few interviews I've watched and the way he handled himself on the course. Um, I mean, I I think the world of him, and he's he's, – He's going to have to prove that to be wrong to me. He really looks like the real deal. Um, yeah, it, it was it was awfully impressive. So hopefully, uh, hey, look, um, it's like when we talk about the attrition to the live. Well, here comes Nick Dunlap, right? Yeah, the tour just built these guys. It's like they got a machine that just pumps these guys out every year, and now you got a new crop of guys you want to watch. So yeah. Are you going to change the subject, Bob? Yeah, I was just okay. Hang on. Okay, I'm going to let you ask that question. But real quick, Caddy, because I wanted to and and, uh, deep dish your thoughts. So, isn't this what we love about the PGA Tour? To me, this is the stuff. Right, a guy Mm. can get hot any particular week and change his life, regardless of his resume. The what Live offers and the guaranteed contract that takes that away. So, having just a superstar league with guaranteed money and really nothing on the line that changes anything to me, that's what has always been appealing about golf. Is this marriage? Autocracy, where even a guy that's 20 years old, not even on the tour, gets hot, he wins, boom, there it is for you. And that's why I like to watch golf, professional golf. And so one of the when you when you start comparing the two leagues and and what's going on, this is the reason, at least, at least for me, that I side with what the PGA Tour is doing. Curious your thoughts on as it relates to that. I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, I think if you look at other stories in somewhat similar vein, like uh, I believe. His name is Michael Block. Yeah. That was uh, 
that that did as well as he did, and now he's he's getting in a whole bunch of uh, PGA Tour events regularly. That's that's a story that people can get behind. Uh, you know, sort of sort of the the common man doing well and and getting some status on the PGA Tour, getting a little slice of heaven that all golfers would love to have and cherish. Um, that's definitely what the PGA Tour offers. Um, that it doesn't seem like you have that same type of situation on the live. You also have situations like somebody Monday qualifying and, and changing yep. their life that way as well on the PGA tour that yep. I don't, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think you have that on the live tour either. No, no. Okay, guys, another rumor came out this week. AK is coming back. Anthony Kim thoughts about that. First, I, I hadn't heard anything about that. Hmm. Well, I think it, I think it'd be great. Um, he had, I think he had an injury insurance policy that was basically what was going on for the last 10 years or more. I guess maybe that's time's up for that or whatever. He's 38 years old, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if we have time for this, but my AK story is kind of cool. We, when I was working for my player, we we're practicing in Palm Springs and these two kids come up and they're kind of, a little roly poly and, you know, look like they're middle teenagers, whatever. And really nice. And the one kid says, Hey, Mr. So-and-so, could you mind if I watch you hit a few balls? And so my player just hands him his seven iron goes, why don't you hit one? Let me see what you got. And so he hands it to the one kid and the kid makes two swings and it's the purest thing you've ever seen. I'm like, wow. So I looked right at this kid. I said, I said, Hey, we're going to go play the back nine. Let's go. And so I hop in his golf cart and we're playing the back nine and we get, it's on the Palmer course and we get to the, I think it's the 13th hole. It's a par five back then that you'd never see anybody go for and two. And he, he rifles the drive down there and he hits a three iron on the green and he walks back to the cart. And I said, I said, do you have any idea how good you are? And he says, well, he goes, I'm the number one ranked junior in the country. And I said, you're a top 10 player on the tour right now. And he smiles. And he had a personalized golf cart, by the way. And his name was on the front of it. And it was Anthony Kim. And that's the first time I had ever heard of Anthony Kim. Wow. But I was so impressed. He's 16 years old. Did he have a belt buckle back then? 16? Was he rocking the belt buckle? (laughs) He was not rocking Mm. the belt buckle, but I I would have remembered that. So four years later, I'm on the range at the Texas Open. And... I get a tap on my shoulder. It's Wednesday. We're hitting balls and tap on my shoulder. And I turn and it's Anthony Kim, but he's gone from being a little bit roly poly to just being in great lean rip shape. And I haven't seen him since he was 16 years old. And I knew he was playing at Oklahoma. And I said, Hey, what's up? He goes, I go, what are you doing? And he goes, Oh, he goes, I turned pro. This is my first event. I got an exemption in here. And I said, Oh, congratulations. So my player turns around and looks at him and goes, what happened to you? And he goes, I went to college and stopped eating pizza. So anyway, his first event, his very first event as a pro, he loses in a playoff. He almost went to the Texas open first boom, right out of the bat. That, that Anthony Kim was so good. He was so good. I mean, we're talking definite potential. Number one, easy top 10 without falling out of bed. World-class player. Awesome. That's, That's a great awesome. story. So hopefully he can come back and play. Yeah, well, that'd be fun. 
You know, it's a $10 million insurance policy, according to the Golf Digest report. And if I'm looking at that, I'm like, $10 million? That's like hardly anything in today's golf world, right? For a guy with that kind of talent. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if he actually does make a return. Caddies, I guess we'll say. Caddies, great to uh, deep dish. Thanks for your your knowledge and your time and your insights. And great to have you on Real Golf Radio. Caddy, as always, it's a pleasure. We'll see you guys real soon. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks so much. You got it. There you go. That was the caddies. I'm going to throw in there (laughs) joining us right here on Real Golf Radio. Hope you enjoyed that. Good stuff. We'll take a break. More of the show coming up next. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back to the show. Brian and Bob with you. Thanks for joining us here on Real Golf Radio. So we've talked a lot, obviously, about Nick Dunlap and his historic win. Uh, you heard from the caddy there. And that that's the one thing that kind of jumped out at me. It was such a compelling story. And it was compelling because here was a guy that could basically write his own dream. Yeah. He didn't have to apply. He didn't have to get accepted. All he had to do was win. And he did. And now he's... I mean, the sky's the limit for him, right? I love that. To me, that's the essence. And we've had this conversation so many times over the last couple of years as we've discussed the difference between Liv and the PGA Tour and what's better, what's not, what do you like, what do you don't. And one of the things that I think is important to me with watching professional golf is the meritocracy. Uh, It's the, regardless of your resume, look, you could be, we've compared him to Tiger and Phil. You can be Tiger and Phil, but if you don't play well, you miss the cut, you're going home without a check. Right. Or you could be a 20-year-old sophomore from Alabama, and if you win, all this is laid out for you, right? Change your life. And and I love yeah. that about golf. I, I think that's what sets our sport up, apart from every other sport out there. Well, and you think about it, the PGA Tour has totally changed, and I totally understand Phil Mickelson's um, choice when he was a senior or going to be a senior in college. He had one year left. Um, he's This kid's got three, two and a half to three left. And the um, opportunities for him were such that all of his events, you know, he's going to be playing in all the signature events. He's going to be playing in three out of the four majors right now. And probably probably get into the fourth one, all of them. Yeah. Uh, A chance to get into the tour championship in the playoffs at the end of the year. Um, It's, the sky is unlimited for him right now. And when you think about those signature events, 70, 80 players, no cuts, um, guaranteed money every week, it's going to be crazy. Then with all of his endorsements, um, everything that comes along with that win and the history that it created, it's, uh Yeah. They opened up the door to the golden train and all you had to do was step aboard and there's, you know, he did the right thing. There's no question about it, but, and it was all because of his work and what he's been able to do and play his way into the position that he's at right now. All right, let's uh, shift gears just a little bit because we haven't had a chance to talk about the rumors. Well, let's call at this point. It's not rumors. It's reports. Dylan Deathier from golf. um, He said breaking Anthony Kim is planning a comeback to pro golf. After a decade away, Kim is in talks with the PGA Tour and with Liv about his return. He was 26 in his last pro event. He's 38 now, but thinks his game is ready. So 
when you kind of break it down, there's some interesting things. First of all, Anthony Kim was super successful. You know, yeah. at, at 20, you know, he came out on the PGA Tour and took it by. So he won his first event. He um, won uh, a couple of events in one year. And then yep. he had some, and, and he was a Ryder Cup star. He was President's Cup star. That was at Valhalla, the Ryder Cup. It was, yeah. I mean, he yep. he was just, he was it. And he became super popular. He wore the big uh, blingy belt buckles and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff AK. back in the day. Yep, yep. And then he had some injuries and I think battled some demons mm-hmm. and uh, and ended up with doing some withdrawals and then just bailed. And that's what made yeah. it interesting is he, he almost disappeared like Barry Sanders did. Felt like he was still at the top of his game and then he was just gone. Yeah. And that's unusual, obviously, especially in a sport like golf where you can play into your 50s. So uh, the word was is that he had this insurance policy that if he never played golf again, he got $10 million. Well, yeah. 12 years ago, that was probably something that you didn't want to mess with. Today, it sounds to me like Greg Norman, from according to the report, called him up and said, we'll cover the $10 million, come play for live. The PGA yeah. Tour obviously wants him to come back and play on the PGA Tour where he could as a past champion. So it, it is an interesting thing. What's your thoughts on when you hear that he might be making a comeback 12 years after his last competitive round? Well, we, you know, we've heard all the reports of Anthony Kim sightings and that kind of thing. But basically, he was a ghost and went into oblivion where not a lot of people saw him. And then he, then they'd see him on a, on a practice range or a driving range and he'd be hitting balls and stuff like that and saying, saying, I'm getting close. I want to get back out there. And then boom, gone again. But here's a kid that turned professional in 2006, joined the PGA tour in 2007, European tour in 2009. He won four times uh, on the PGA tour. Like you said, he played Ryder cup um, and uh, excuse me, three times. Um, he finished third at the 2010 Masters. He also finished 16th at the U.S. Open and fifth or tied for fifth at the Open Championship. So this is a kid that's a world beater, uh, and he was a world beater. But because of circumstances, maybe some of them his own doing, um, he stepped away from the game when he was young and was really had an opportunity to make some big strides. Uh, it would be really, really cool to see him come back if he is ready and can compete and do what he used to do. Yeah, it, again, I'll go back to this insurance policy. $10 million isn't what it used to be. No. And if his game is anywhere near what it was, and you heard the caddy tell his story a little bit about him, yep. right, and how good that swing yep. was, you'd feel like you're okay to be able to come back and still make yep. those payments back if you end up having to repay your insurance or whatever happens yep. to be. So anyway, yep. reports are out there. What do you think? Anthony Kim may be coming back to the PGA Tour. We'll take a short break. We'll wrap up the show next. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back, and thanks for joining us here on this week's edition of Real Golf Radio. Here's what you missed if you want to check out it, uh, Real Golf Radio podcast edition. We had a chance to, in hour number one, talk with uh, Jeff Babineau and Ryan Karchner, both through the PGA Merchandise Show. Ryan is a, a PGA professional and director of golf development for Reef Capital Partners. Babs, course, covering 
the PGA for the PGA of America and uh, writing lots of cool stuff. So we talked about the business of golf, what was new, what was exciting in hour number one. And hour number two, welcome to America's favorite caddy and friend, Deep Dish. Another caddy. <laughs> and had a fun 20-plus minute conversation with those boys. So uh, you can check that out as well. And then, of course, got uh, into the big historic win by Nick Dunlap, first amateur to win on the PGA Tour yep. since Phil back in 91. Uh, we talked about Anthony Kim there just briefly. Failed to mention, but congratulations to Rory McIlroy, Arnold Palmer Award recipient, which is super cool. And, uh, and he just came off his fourth win in Dubai, too. So. His fourth time he's won in Dubai? That event. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, nobody's ever done that before. Wow, that's pretty cool. Hey, coming up next week, we have more PGA merchandise show uh, layover, if you will. We're going to continue yeah. to talk about some product. Tyler Staniford is going to join us to talk about uh, speed and grip pressure and grip size and why that matters. Also, Sean Toulon will join us uh, for a little putter conversation. So excited for that coming up next week. Hey, look forward to this weekend. PGA Tour Farmers Insurance Open wrapping up later today. It's a Saturday finish to make way for football. Nelly Corda looking for her ninth win on the LPGA Tour. She has a two-shot lead in Bradenton, Florida. Thanks to Dave Glauser, who's our producer extraordinaire for Bob Casper. I'm Brian Taylor. Again, thanks for listening at Real Golf on X. Find us where your favorite podcasts are found, and we'll see you next week right here on Real Golf Radio. Radio.